History tells the story of the world and of our lives. Sometimes that history goes bump in the night. Broadcasting from the center of oddity and the supernatural in Central Florida, it's the History Goes Bump podcast. Hello, you spooktacular people. Welcome to this 365th episode of the History Ghost Bump podcast, Ghost Tours for the Theater of the Mind. I am your host, Diane. And this is Kelly. Kelly, on this episode, we're doing another one of these locations that we actually visited on our road trip that we were just on. I loved it so much. This is the Marshall House Hotel in Savannah, and we spent one night there. Indeed it is. And boy... Did we have some activity going on in our room? We sure did without even really expecting anything. No, we'd heard rumors that it was haunted. And I said, ah, Kelly, you want to stay in a haunted hotel while we're in Savannah? We'll splurge a little bit and stay and in I this said, place. But of course, <laughs> we weren't really expecting anything, but uh, we had a lot of interactions here. So we're looking forward to sharing that with you. Usually about this point, I'd say, but before we get into that, we're going to welcome these people into the spectacular crew, but pulling back that fourth wall. We are actually recording back-to-back episodes right now, so we make sure you guys get one each week because we're going to be doing some traveling here again. So It's a Christmas miracle. <laughs> <laughs> kind of not really an expected trip, but we wanted to make sure that you had something. So we'll be welcoming any of you who come into the Spooktacular crew that thought you'd be getting welcomed on this episode on the next one. Yes, indeed. And now this moment, Naughty. The moment in oddity was suggested by Sandra Latham. Starting in the late 1770s, people began living in rock houses in the United Kingdom's Kinver Edge. Joseph Healy was the first person to report about these rock houses. A storm was brewing and a family that Healy described as a clean and decent family took him in and he was amazed by their dwelling. These homes were carved out of the soft red sandstone in the area. They were preferable to the local cottages because they were high above the flood level and they were warm in the winter and cool in the summer. The rock houses were equipped with water and gas, and earth closets provided sanitation. The homes had furniture, stoves, windows, and doors. By 1861, 11 families were living in the rock houses at Kinver Edge. By the early 1900s, the houses had become famous and were a tourist attraction, and tea was served at a cafe. On one day in 1905, 17,000 people came by the cafe. This closed in 1967, and the property fell into disrepair. The houses were restored in the 1990s and opened for tours in 1997 that continue today. One of these is Nanny's Cave, which had layers of carvings and graffiti on the walls with occult symbols, runes, and sigils. A chimney chute at the front had been affectionately named the Devil's Chimney and reputedly became the means by which Satan crawled in and out of this house. Generally, we think of prehistoric or cavemen living in rock houses, so these rock houses certainly are odd. Scared yet? Boo! <laughs> and now, this month in history. 
month of December, on the 12th in 1980, a notebook penned by Leonardo da Vinci was bought at auction by American oil tycoon Armand Hammer for $5.1 million. This was the highest price paid for a manuscript at the time. A couple years earlier, a copy of the legendary Gutenberg Bible had gone for only half as much. This manuscript was written in 1508 and was one of 30 books that da Vinci penned during his life on various subjects. The topic of this one was water. This book had 72 loose pages with 300 notes and detailed drawings. Parts of this are thought to have inspired parts of his work, The Mona Lisa. He used his mere writing technique to pen the booklet and used brown ink and chalk. The work is officially known as the Lester Codex. The Marshall House Hotel has stood in the heart of historic downtown Savannah for nearly 170 years. This was not only a place for weary guests to the city, it also served as a hospital before and during the Civil War. A nod to the history of the Civil War can be found on the third floor. We stayed here for one night, and based on the haunted reputation of the place, we decided to do a little paranormal investigating. The activity started practically the minute we walked in our room. Join us as we share the history and hauntings of the Marshall House Hotel. Savannah is one of our favorite cities. Kelly, this was your second time there. I can't even keep track of how many times I've been there, about five or six. The first time we were there, it was very, very brief. We just basically stayed overnight. I zoomed you down to the historic area and said, here's what a square looks like. We drove around a couple of those. (laughs) Speed walking everywhere. (laughs) Yeah, took you down to the river walk really quick. So it was like you basically spent a night in a hotel and a couple hours walking. Yeah, precisely. (laughs) So this time you got to spend a little bit more time and get a real feel for the city. What'd you think? I absolutely adore that city. Everything about the architecture and then the history behind it. It's just amazing. And the cool thing is we weren't really expecting to be able to do this, but now we're going to be in New Orleans here. And so you're going to get to see how these two cities compare and how much Savannah was influenced by New Orleans and the architecture. Absolutely. And I'm so excited. We started with a visit to Bonaventure Cemetery and wandered around for a couple hours before heading to the Marshall House Hotel. What'd you think of that cemetery? It is one of my favorite. It's in my top five, so. Oh my gosh, that cemetery was just amazing. I've never seen one with so many beautiful statues and tombstones and just everything. It was gorgeous. It's the epitome of a Southern cemetery. It truly was. Did you ever see the movie Midnight in the Garden of Good and Evil? I don't think I have. This was in that movie. So it just, it's like such a perfect setting. It's probably been in several movies for all I know. Very cool. Well, now I need to see it, I mean. Yeah, and it's just cool because it's right there along the Savannah River, which is huge. So you'll see these big barges coming by while you're in the cemetery. And we hit all the highlights because we only got to spend a couple hours there. But I made sure that you saw Gracie and Johnny Mercer's grave. So you got the highlights. The Marshall House is located at 123 Broughton Street and is Greek Revival architecture and style. One of the first things people notice about the Marshall House is the iron veranda that is 120 feet in length and 12 feet wide and high that's on the outside of it. It was placed on the hotel in 1857 by Ralph Meldrum, who was the proprietor of the Marshall House at the time. This gives it a real New Orleans feel. 
The minute we walked into the lobby, we not only noticed the gleaming marble everywhere, but we also saw a large oil painting of Mary Marshall on the wall behind the reception desk. This work had once been owned by Jim Williams, who was the main person in John Barrent's book, Midnight in the Garden of Good and Evil, which I just mentioned. So kind of interesting that we were at Bonaventure, and then here we were at the hotel where there is a work that used to be in the guy who is the main character in that story. A tad synchronistic. Just a little. (laughs) (laughs) The Marshall House is named for her because she founded the hotel in 1851. The location was very important in that it was in the heart of the shopping district of Savannah, and it really still is to this day. Mary remained a prominent figure in Savannah, and her family's history in the city started with her grandparents. She inherited a large sum from her father and built upon that by buying property, two others of which still remain in the city. There's a double tenement house that's found behind the hotel on Oglethorpe Square, and the Marshall Row that lies on Oglethorpe Street across from Colonial Park Cemetery. The hotel is four stories with winding hallways leading to rooms and a large library sitting room on the first floor where they host wine socials and then a restaurant area off that for the morning buffet. And I believe that's just a regular restaurant, too, most of the time, too, is what I'd read. So it was beautiful. It was a big atrium, glass covered ceilings so you could see above. It was almost like you were sitting outside of a hotel or something because they had windows that were around the outside of it with shutters and stuff like that. So it was like you were in a little courtyard or something, but it wasn't really actually open. It had a very French feel to it, which of course is influenced by the New Orleans connection. As stated before, there is a collection of Civil War memorabilia on the third level that is part of a self-guided tour. There are also displays of artifacts found during restorations. And I'll make sure to get pictures from that up on our Instagram for you guys. Our room was fairly small with antiques and some modern conveniences that included a small bathroom. It was all very quaint. So, Kelly, we're getting ready to check in. And this young lady comes over. It's very helpful. She's checking us in and then she tells us what room we're in. And we both look at each other and say, oh, my gosh. And she was like, what? (laughs) Yeah, she acted really concerned. Like, is that a problem? (laughs) Well, we were a little shocked because that was the same number that we had in Wilmington. So we had room 203 for both locations. Exactly. So when we were up there to do the ghost hunt on the battleship, we spent two nights at a Holiday Inn in room 203. And then she's like, you'll be in room 203. And we're like, oh my gosh, that's the room we were just in. (laughs) (laughs) A yellow fever epidemic swept through the city in 1854, and the hotel was converted into a hospital to treat the sick. Over a thousand people died during that epidemic right there in the city. In 1864, the hotel was occupied by Union troops led by General William Tecumseh Sherman. They stayed for several months, and then the hotel became a Union hospital until the end of the Civil War. Then the hotel reverted back to a hotel. During the Reconstruction period, Joel Chandler Harris, who was the author of the famous Uncle Remus stories, lived at the hotel. In 1880, the building that was next door was annexed and became part of the hotel. And then, right after that, the hotel closed in 1895. The hotel reopened in 1899 and featured electric lights and hot and cold running water. At this time, it was still the Marshall House, but the name would change to Gilbert Hotel in 1933 when real estate man Herbert W. Gilbert leased the building. He would expand it so that it had a new lobby, dining room, living room, reading room, 66 guest rooms, one suite, an apartment, and six storage rooms. In 1941, he sold the hotel and it reopened under new ownership in 1946 after a complete renovation. Fire codes were changed and it was too hard for the hotel to update in 1957, so the top three floors were closed and the main level was opened to shops. This was a case until 1998. 
The hotel was renovated once again and reopened as the Marshall House once more in 1999, and this is said to be Savannah's oldest hotel. We should mention that during these modern renovations, body parts were found beneath floorboard. Heh. <laughs> you didn't tell me that. <laughs> well, I just found out when I was doing the research after we stayed at the hotel. Alrighty then. And here's the thing. Here's what's really fun. How many times has this place been converted, renovated, restored? It wasn't until 1999 that they finally ripped up the flooring and finds all these body parts. That's or crazy. Basically, it would be bones left over. Right. We should mention that during these modern renovations, body parts were found beneath the floorboards. This was treated as a crime scene and everything was carefully cataloged. Tests revealed the bones were from the Civil War. These were probably amputated arms and legs and such, and they were just placed under the floorboards since they had nowhere else to put them. Lovely. <laughs> Lovely. <laughs> so, Kelly, we get into our room and we're checking it out. We're like, oh, this is so nice and wonderful. I think you went into the bathroom to use the facilities. Relieve myself. Yeah. And so <laughs> we were kind of short on time with what we were going to do. So we wanted to get some dinner before we were going to go do a ghost tour in the city which was going to give you a better chance to see the city because I've done several ghost tours, so I didn't really need to do another one, but I wanted to make sure that you got to have that opportunity. So I thought, I'm just going to pull out the EMF and see if we get anything before we leave the hotel room. So I pulled it out of the bag, turned it on, threw it into the middle of the bed, which was, was it a queen size bed or a full size bed? It didn't seem very big. I think it was a, a full. And it lit up. <laughs> it I was like going crazy. Whoa, how, how weird. I'm not used to just taking out, you know, out an EMF device and bam, you just set it in the middle of a bed. I wasn't talking to anybody or saying anything or. And initially my thoughts are, oh, my gosh, there's so much stray electrical current going through here. Are we going to wake up sick as a dog? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just all that extra EMF you know, EMF on our bodies. Yeah. So we're like, oh, my God, there's got to be some kind of wiring or something going on here. We did a Facebook live video to show everybody us going around the room trying to see where are we picking up these EMF. Well, actually, before we even started doing the video, I grabbed it immediately and started going around the room. So the initial sweep, there was nothing. There was nothing. And we were putting it on the floor, on the sides of the bed, at the foot of the bed, on the other side of the bed. Because we thought... Above. I mean, I was moving it all around the room, all around the lamps that were in the room. Mm-hmm. Because we thought, well, we're on the second level, so maybe there's something on the first level ceiling, like a chandelier or a light or something that's right, some coming kind up of through the bed somehow. Yeah, some kind of electrical running through the walls or the floors. And it was basically nothing. But every time we put it on the bed, it would go crazy. It was totally going crazy, just basically on the bed. So we're showing everybody that. And you had said that you kind of had a feeling about what was going on here. <laughs> So I was getting the feeling like there was a child in there and essentially kind of jumping on the bed going, hey, look at me, look at me. <laughs> like they were just being really playful. Yeah, because you picked up the EMF then and started holding it up into the air. Above the bed. Above yes. the bed and it was still going off. So it was, it literally was as if there were children like right there or a child jumping up and down and that's where the EMF was going off. You'd right. move like it to the side. bed. Nothing there. And then you even said that. You're like, oh, it's like a monkey on the bed. <laughs> and the ceiling was really vaulted. Also, the ceilings were super high and there mm -hmm. was a ceiling fan, but it was, gosh, it was probably, I want to say another eight feet up. Yeah. They were really like tall ceilings. So then we were like, okay, well, before we go to dinner, let's pull out the dousing <laughs> rods and see what we have going on here. 
And so we did a little bit of a session with that. We didn't really record anything with it or anything. And I got out, we have this little recorder that I'll take out just to do quick little, let's tape it for about two minutes, see if anybody said anything, rewind, because it's just easier to use that device for that. And we didn't pick up any EVP, but we were getting a lot of interaction with the dousing rods. So before we left the room for dinner, we had a pretty good feeling that we had a young girl in the room with us. Of Irish descent. And uh, a little bit later here, we're going to talk a little bit more about all the things that we find out about her because we're going to continue to have these dousing sessions with her and get to know even more about her. And so then we'll give you a complete picture of who we think we were talking to. But needless to say, we had heard stories that there were the ghosts of children in this hotel. So it was not strange to have something in here at that time. No, not at all. It was just kind of shocking because we literally were in the room just a couple of minutes before all of this started happening. Yeah. So we decided to go to dinner. There was a brew pub that was right next door, which is perfect for us because we <laughs> like bar food and hello, craft beer. Yes. So we got a couple of local craft brews there and we actually managed to find both of them at the grocery store the next day so we could bring them home with us too. We sure did. That's one of our fun things we like to do if we're driving is to bring back some local brews that you can't get in your state. And then you drink them and then you're like, dang, I'll never get those again. <laughs> well, <laughs> yes, that is the truth. We headed off for our ghost tour after that. And this one we did with Ghost City Tours. Our tour guide, I thought, was really good. I enjoyed her. She was. She was excellent. Can you remember her name? I don't remember what her name was. It seems like it was a little bit different. Our tour guide was great, but we'd be hard-pressed to recommend the company. I chose this one because I'd already done tours with a couple of other companies, so I like to try each one just to get a feel for how they are. Sure. This one, Kelly, is another one of those big tour companies that offers tours in several cities, and I'm always really hesitant to go with them because it's kind of like, do you want to go into local mom and pop to shop or eat? It's always usually better than the chain. Exactly. So this is basically chain tours. And the only other time I've ever done like a chain tour was with Ghosts and Gravestones. And anybody who's in the Spectacular crew knows that when I recommend places, I always say except for them. Now, other people have taken <laughs> them and enjoyed them. But my only taste of them was in Boston. There was a lot of shtick with it. Oh, it was just, <laughs> it just awful. Wasn't, it wasn't as historical. It wasn't really no, and it was like your vibe. Were, yeah, I mean, I guess if we were a bunch of kids or teenagers, maybe we would have thought it was cool. But I'm like, I don't care if you dress up as a zombie or... I have no problem when they want to wear their period clothing. That's great. Then you can also tell who your tour guide is. Screaming and cackling into the microphone. But when you're time. acting like the zombie <laughs> and then you're like banging against the walls of the trolley to see if you can scare people and you're just making up stories and stuff, it's just not good for me. Now, Go City Tours did not do that. It was a very accurate historical tour. Yes, the tour guide was fantastic. So that was fine. But here's the problem that we had. We come up there and there's already a large group of people standing around. We're all trying to be socially distanced. Thankfully, the squares are very large. So we were able to stand away from each other. But I'm looking at Kelly and going, this is a lot of people for one tour guide. I'm like, there's no way that this is okay during the time of COVID. No, definitely not during COVID. And not only that, but just to be able to hear a tour guide in a city, whether they have a microphone or not. I mean, there was a, a lot of people. Yeah, this is not okay with me at any time. I think the max you should have on a tour is 30. I have done 40 in the past. Asheville, which is my top tour that I've ever done, there were 40 people, but he also had an amplifier with a microphone so that you could hear him just fine. And Asheville's not quite as noisy as a city, 
Savannah can be a very noisy city. Now, because of COVID, it wasn't. So it was really nice, actually. But usually it would be very hard to hear a tour guide in Savannah because you got all these little sorority bike tours going by that are drinking tours, (laughs) basically, and screaming at you and ringing bells and all this other stuff. And then, of course, with COVID, you're wanting to be a little bit cautious and not have to be as close to people to hear. (laughs) Right. Spread out. Yeah. When we walked up, she said, well, I'm just going to have you guys stand over here to the side because we have another tour guide coming. So I'm like, oh, okay, no problem. If we're going to split this into two people, there'll probably be 25 people in each group. It's going to be fine. Well, you can see that she's getting a little bit nervous and antsy and she keeps getting on her phone and calling and it's like, huh, I wonder what's going on here. So the tour's supposed to start. The other tour guide hasn't showed up yet. And so finally, she ended up having to tell us, uh, apparently they're telling me that something got screwed up with the website. So I guess I'm your tour guide. And so here we go. I'm thinking, okay, she's going to be upset. So this tour is not going to go well because she's just going to be angry the whole time that the company's just left her with this huge group of people, which is against the guidelines and... And she even told us, because as we were walking along doing the tour, we told her she was doing a great job and we were really enjoying it. And she told us she just had throat surgery, too. So we're like, oh, my God, hopefully she doesn't wreck her throat surgery. Yeah, I was so worried about her because she really was projecting her voice well. Yeah. So I think we had about 50 people on this group. So when I gave them a review, usually I don't give a bad review, but I did on this one. And I said, you know, our tour guide was great. Loved it. But for all the other stuff, uh, highly disappointed, especially because you should be keeping people's safety in mind. And they clearly weren't. If you own this company, I'm sorry, if you're in bed, you get your butt out of bed and you're like, I'm getting down there because that just wasn't right. So anyway, I don't know. Maybe we'll give Ghost City Tours a chance in another city in the future, but they'll be low on my list. Yeah, more is to be revealed with that, I think. I, you know, hopefully it was just a, a one-off type of situation because she was very well informed. She was entertaining. Mm-hmm. She wasn't over the top and she was easy to hear. And that's always a big deal to me because so many times they're not easy to hear. So, Well, and unfortunately for Ghost City Tours, as I said, you know, this probably doesn't ever happen. It just happened to happen on this night. But I said, unfortunately, it happened when you had History Goes Bump on your tour. <laughs> and this is what we do is ghost tours. We recommend them. We review them. So not the night. It's like having the food critic come into your restaurant and it's the one night when you totally screw up everything you make. This is true. <laughs> not a good time to have that happen. So after that, we got back to the room and did another session with the dowsing rods. We're going to play a little bit of that here for you right now. Can you light it all the way up to red? This button right here, if you get really close to it, you might be able to get it all the way to red. And can you see our doggy? Oops, I probably shouldn't put it close because it's on an airplane. She's wearing a funny outfit. (laughs) Can you get it all the way to red? You did earlier. Well, maybe she's tired. I know I am. Or I know, maybe our energy's lower, so it's harder for the glean energy from us to do stuff. Oh, I just went to red right then. Some Are you different. still here? Are you still here with us? Yeah. Thank you. Can you put it straight back out? Clear it out straight away from me? All the way? I know, these stick sometimes. Thank you. Appreciate that. So is this the same little girl that we were talking to earlier? 
Is this someone new? Is this the 11 year old that works here? I know this one sticks. Thank you. So we are in for the night. <laughs> we went to dinner, we did a walk around and learned some history about your city. Can you straighten that back out, please? All the way straight so I can ask you another question, please. I appreciate it. I know these are tough to push. I need to keep them more level, make it easier for you. I'm just too tired. My feet hurt too much to stand up. <laughs> so I can imagine the reason why you probably don't like your job so much is because you're 11 and you'd much rather be playing or going to school or something. Uh-huh. <laughs> I can't say as I blame you. <laughs> Yeah, you, you should be able to do those things, but sometimes life is hard and you have to do things you don't want to do. Did your parents work at this location? Okay. So they work here. Did I already ask that? No. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm tired. So, did your parents work in this building? Remember, if it's no, you push it away towards my shoulders out and away. Thank you. Okay, you can put them straight again. I know you're going towards no. So did your parents work around here, somewhere near this location, and you just worked here by yourself? Did something happen to your parents? And they weren't with you? Oh. I'm sorry to hear that. That must be really difficult, especially at such a young age. Alright, can you make it straight again? Can you point them straight again, please? Thanks, sweetie. Did you live with relatives here in Savannah? If it's no, can you push it out just a little bit at least? So I know that there's an answer. Out both directions. Thank you. Okay. Oh, that went almost to red. I saw. <laughs> yes, it did go to red. Good job. <laughs> <laughs> so were you here with any brothers or sisters? No. So you were here just all by yourself. Were you here all by yourself? No. No. Okay, but you weren't here with brothers or sisters. You weren't here with aunts or uncles. Were you here with cousins? Any family members? Ah, okay, so you were here with cousins? Okay, thank you. Well, that's good. I'm glad that you weren't completely alone without family. Still very difficult though. Can we try to determine the year that you live here? Well, let's ask, can you ask, because this had been, um, we had a hotel and then it was a hospital. Okay. That might help us to gauge. So, did you work here when it was a hotel? The Marshall House? Okay. Did you work here when it was a hospital? Goodness, okay. 
So you helped out in the hospital? Thank you. Yeah, definitely yes. Wow, big push. This story just gets worse and worse as we go. I know, it's very difficult. How sad. I know. Was she here at this hospital when it was a hospital for yellow fever or for the Civil War? So did you work here during the yellow fever epidemic? Did you work here during the Civil War? Okay, let me ask you again. Let's clear it out for a sec. So what were the exact years for the Civil War? What were the exact years for yellow fever? Can you point them straight, please? I'm just trying to get more information so we can get an easier way to get a yes or no answer. Because maybe it was sometime in between. Or before or after, but not, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So we can get a general gauge. <laughs> she said yes. <laughs> All right, we're looking up dates. So I listened to all of the audio that we had recorded, and I told Kelly I didn't hear any EVP. As I was editing this episode, I was listening to bits and pieces of the dousing rod sessions that we had done, and I just happened upon this one section. And while listening to it, I went, huh, I think there might be a little something extra here. So I'm going to go ahead and play that for you right now. <laughs> she said yes. <laughs> all right, we're looking updates. And I'll go ahead and play it again. <laughs> she said yes. <laughs> All right, we're looking updates. I'll amplify it this time. <laughs> she said yes. <laughs> All right, we're looking updates. And I'll play it amplified one more time. <laughs> she said yes. <laughs> All right, we're looking updates. Kelly and I listened to it. We don't think it was either one of us because we were both very close to the microphone. This sounded a little bit more distant and kind of sounds like a young, maybe 11-year-old girl kind of laughing along with us. What do you guys think? There's a Civil War era display up on the third floor. Oh, is there? Do you go up to the third floor sometimes? No. Do you just stay on the second floor? Okay, so it started as a hospital in 1854. She just swung to yes. For 1854? Was it 1854 that you started working here? Okay. Okay. Can you straighten them out? So that would have been during the yellow fever outbreaks. She just went back into another yes. So you were working here during yellow fever? Did they call it yellow fever at the time when it first started? I don't know that they would she have. She just said yes. Okay. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know that they would have known what to call it, but. Thank you. Did you or your family, your cousins, get yellow fever? Did you get yellow fever? No. If it's no, can you push it out just a little bit further so I know for sure? Okay, 
Thank you. You can put them straight again. And now she's going towards yes. Okay, can you straighten them out, please? It's hard to get over yellow fever, though. It usually kills people. Yeah. Did you get sick with something you didn't know for sure if it was yellow fever? Did you have yellow fever? Because we were talking, so I wasn't sure if she was reacting to that or what. <laughs> you are so smart. <laughs> so shut up. I know, she's like, hello, I'm trying to like have a normal conversation with you as best as I can. <laughs> the next morning, Diane tried her hand at the dowsing rods. Yeah, I don't do them very often, but you were getting ready and I was just sitting there waiting. So I'm like, oh, why don't I take the dousing rods out and see if I get any kind of interaction? I was really excited to see you using them because you do rarely use them. <laughs> <laughs> and I, we got a little bit of stuff with that, too. So I'm going to go ahead and play that here for you. Or I could maybe listen to this one. We just started. You can talk into that again. See if you can try to get it to hear what you're saying. It is interesting. We're getting nothing there. Nothing there. She might be frustrated because I was kind of... This was definitely just was the whole time this was sitting here and it's doing nothing now. Huh. So, I mean, we're clearly... The phone wasn't doing it. Yeah. Put up by the TV now. Oh, oh. Are you back again? Are you just down over here? We might have had multiples in here, too. Yeah. It could be a situation of them. This is a very saying, strong energy over here, so this yeah. is where I want to talk. Just make sure you keep them level. I'm not as good with these as Kelly is, but. No, you're good. Let's first of all make sure we have. Well, okay. You are definitely here with us. Thank you. <laughs> Isn't that a hug when it comes all the way around like that? No. <laughs> Can you move them back out to straight in front of me? Can you move them back to parallel? Facing me, pointing at me. You're pointing at Kelly? They're, they're slightly tilted towards you, so it makes it a little bit harder. Make sure, you're, make sure your fingers aren't touching the top past this. Yeah, they're not. Okay. All right. See, I have to learn these things, too. I'm not... So you want to keep I'm not like Kelly. I can't tell what's level or not. That's level. If you hold your, and you want to hold your elbows in too, because it helps support, like keep them steady. That way your arms don't get quite as tired. You gotta clear your mind. That's a hard thing for her to do. <laughs> do we have a boy with us? Do we have a girl with us? Can you move it back to straight? Pointing away from me? Is this our little friend that we were talking to yesterday? Yes. Okay. Thank you for coming back again. There you go. Wow. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? When yeah. It moves very far. Can you move him back out pointing towards Kelly over there? Towards me? Point him over here so she can ask you another question, please. Process. I know it's a process. <laughs> Is it, is, am I making it hard for you to do that? 
So we know that you were here. I want to ask you the date again. You seem to like the date 1854. Were you here in 1854? 1854? Yes. Great. Can you move them back out towards Kelly? That's right. Good. Thank you. Perfect. Wonderful. That was perfect. Maybe I'm getting better at this too. It takes practice. Do you ever get to leave the hotel? Can you go other places? Remember if it's new, you point them out towards my shoulders. Can you leave the hotel? Yes? Yeah, okay. That's good. In that recorder, can you tell us the places that you go to? Do you ever go to a park? There's lots of squares here in Savannah. Do you like to go out to where all the trees and the grass are? It's easier to play out there. Yeah? Can you move him back out towards Kelly again? Thank you. Does Kelly wear too much makeup? It was swinging to know before you ever asked that question. Oh, oh well. <laughs> I wasn't trying to man manipulate the answer. <laughs> well, that would be me manipulating it. You could oh. say, no, I don't wear too much <laughs> No, I'm asking Can sarcastically. You I, know a lot of, Kelly? <laughs> I know a lot of people think that, but I don't care. I'm still going to wear my makeup. <laughs> I'm going to be the little old lady with painted face. I want to ask you a little bit about your parents. Actually, did you have brothers and sisters? Did you have any siblings? Or do you? Or do you have siblings? You do? Okay. <laughs> Kelly has a brother. I do. And I have a sister. And I have two sons, one that's 17 and one that's 21. Do you have a brother? Yes. Can you move him back out towards Kelly? Probably already know what I'm going to ask you next. Do you have a sister? Yes. Do you have more than one brother? Do you have more than one sister? Yes. So you've got multiple sisters and one brother. Well, I bet you guys drive him crazy. <laughs> Are they here with you too? No. Yeah, that's what she said yesterday. I okay, I forgot. I didn't know if you were just testing. Can you point him back towards Kelly? Well, it also affirms that we're talking to the same person. Right. That's great. Thank you for doing that. Do you ever get to see your brothers and sisters? No. It's got to be really hard. That probably makes you sad, huh? Yes. Are you touching the back of my head? No? Okay. I'm I just having somebody a... else's. <laughs> Is... <laughs> Can you point it back towards Kelly? It might just be, you know, you get weird little yeah. blood pressure things. 
is anybody touching the back of my head? And now are you touching the sides of my head? Ask one question. Are you touching the sides of Diane's head? It's okay if you are. Is anyone touching my hair? You want to touch my hair and feel what it feels like? She puts a lot of stuff in it. I do put a lot it's of stuff in it. It's a little spiky. It is spiky. <laughs> Sometimes feels a little sticky too. You move it back after it's like, that's fine if you're touching my hair, I don't mind. <laughs> Just, I had a really weird feeling, so I wasn't sure if that was it or not. I was going to tell you, yes, I know, my hair has a weird feeling. I get a weird feeling when you touch it, too. So, <laughs> yes. Well, I told her earlier that I'd been touched by a spirit before, mm -hmm. and that it felt electrical. Yeah. Well, why she say no, I wonder? Well, she told me she'd never been touched by a ghost before. Oh, or gotcha. seen a ghost. Gotcha. I said, I've never seen a ghost either. Yeah. So I was going to tell you that I don't get to see my sister very often either. She lives in another state than where I live, which is a long ways away. So it is sad. You don't get to see him. Let me ask something. Okay. Thank you. Is there somebody else in the room with us besides you? It's okay. I mean, if you brought a friend with you, that's fine. We don't care. <laughs> Is your friend trying to answer? Maybe. Maybe they're quite as experienced. They're both trying to play with it. Don't fight over them. Only one person can answer at a time. Is there another person here with us? Ask if she's still with us. We are getting a yes. She's still here with us. Okay. Then it gets hard to just stand straight like that. <laughs> Can you move him back towards oh, Kelly? And the floor's yeah. slanted right there too, so... Are you wearing a dress? Yes. <laughs> Can you point it back towards Kelly again? She's probably like, why aren't you guys wearing dresses? That's what I was just going to say. Nope, she's not wondering about that. No. <laughs> I'm sure you've seen women in pants a lot here, huh? That's true. Yes. Can you point back towards Kelly? I can tell you it's a lot more comfortable and easier to play when you got pants on. That's true. Dresses make it hard to play. <laughs> they get snagged. Well, you must have moved away from being over here because my little thing's going off. There you are. You want to sit down too? Maybe you were sitting down. I don't know. I think you were standing with me. <sighs> I just need a little break for my back. I'm an old woman. Then we continued with another dowsing session and we talked about religion. And I thought this was really interesting because we've never gotten into a religious discussion with a, a spirit before. Yeah, I, I loved that she was so open and we, we were able to explore into that with her. Do you like the bells from the church when they ring? Do you know if the, um, the Irish that came over here where they made the Irish Catholic? 
I would assume such. Yeah. Since they were still fighting a few years ago. Can you point it back towards the closet? Are you Catholic? Yes. Can you point it back out to straight? So that probably means that you believe, do you believe in Jesus? Yes. You really believe in Jesus very strongly, okay. So do we. Kelly and I are different, different church than what you go to, but we all believe the same thing. Kelly's going to ask you a question. Have you ever? Oh, sorry. Have you ever had people come in here that talked to you like we are, that interacted with you and got rugs, dancing rugs for you to talk to them with, or maybe something else that you were able to talk to them with? If it's no, remember to push it away towards their shoulders, at least just a little bit. Has anybody come in here and talk to you before like we are? Not sure? Yes? Let me rephrase it. Okay. I was going to rephrase that question. Okay. Has anybody come to the hotel and communicated with you in any way? Where you were able to talk back with them? Yes. Can you point it back towards the closet? Did you ask if she was actually in the hospital versus working at it? Did you work in the hospital or were you sick in the hospital? So I'm going to ask them separately, okay, just so you know what we're getting ready to ask you. Were you sick here in the hospital? It means you just laid in a bed. Possible that she could have worked here and then gotten sick too. That's true. Did you work here in the hospital? Did you help take care of people? Maybe you brought them water? Dressed any wounds or put a cold cloth on their head? Can you point it back towards the armor? Thank you. So we're going to assume that you were sick here. You were sick. Means you were coughing, you had a fever, didn't feel good. Yes. So she was definitely sick here. Through all of our dowsing rod sessions, we formed a picture of the young woman we were speaking with. It seems that she was a young preteen girl, and her family was from Ireland and were indentured servants. She had siblings, at least one brother and more than one sister. She more than likely died here when the hotel was a hospital with yellow fever patients. She does not leave the hotel, and her family is not with her. We never figured out what her name was. But it wasn't for a lack of trying, because you sure did try. I mean, we were even like going through the alphabet, like, okay, cross them if it's an, it starts with an A. 
Yeah, well, she was so forthright in answering all of our questions. I really wanted to try to get a name to give her. You know, I wanted to discover what it was. Yeah, and for a little bit, we thought that it began with an H. And so we were going through all these H names. We were looking up Irish H names, and she just kept saying no. And then a little bit later, she indicated something else that made us go, maybe it doesn't start with an H. So we just were completely clueless on that. We needed a psychic with us, Kelly. (laughs) We sure did. I did a little research and found that there was information that backed up the possibility that Irish indentured servants were in Savannah. Yeah, so when you're doing these things and you don't know any of the information ahead of time, when you start getting some of this stuff coming through on the dowsing rods, you're like, well, that seems kind of weird. Would they have been here? It seems like they would have been more north because that's usually where the indentured servants were. The city of Savannah was pretty new when a ship wrecked off the coast on January 10th, 1734. There were 40 survivors, 34 men and six women. These people were Irish indentured servants who had been sailing for New England. General James Oglethorpe, who had founded Savannah, had a motto, not for self, but for others. So there was no way he was going to turn these destitute and suffering people away. He wrote of this situation, A sloop loaded with servants was forced in here through stress of weather and want of victuals. Many of them were dead. Forty only remained. As they were likewise ready to perish through misery, I thought in an act of charity to buy them, which I did, giving five pounds a head. I gave one of them to each of the widows, which will render them able to cultivate their lands and maintain their families. I let each of the magistrates have one at a prime cost, that they might be behindhand in their gardens and plantations, by reason of their spending much of their time in the public service. Of the rest, I have allotted Mr. Lawfund five to help him in building a sawmill, four to the gardens, and four to the island Hutchinson's. These people stayed, and they urged their relatives to come to Savannah as well, and a rich Irish heritage took root in the city, particularly during the Irish potato famine. While I was in the bathroom getting ready, Diane started having doubts about what was causing the EMF gauge to go off. She had opened the blinds and realized that the room was on the far end of the hotel, which was the corner of the block, and a large traffic light was outside the window. So she took the EMF to the window, and of course, it went off. And she noticed it went off around the TV, so she decided to do a test. There was a chair in the far corner. She put the EMF on the chair, and there was no signal. She asked that if there was a spirit in the room, that it would make the EMF light up. Nothing. She asked several times. Nothing. Diane picked up the EMF, and when I came into the room, she explained what had happened. So Kelly, you come out, and I'm just telling you... You know, because we, we both are those skeptical people. And I kept going, I just, I know we were having conversations with the dousing rod and everything, but I don't know, that traffic light is sitting out there. Maybe that's causing something because I just opened up the blinds. I looked out there and there's a traffic light and I'm like, oh my God, those give off so much EMF. It's not even right. funny. And then when I put it up near the window, I'm like, you know, maybe I know we did that sweep yesterday, but I don't know. It, I'm just not feeling it. So I see this chair over in the corner. It's the farthest spot. I make sure it's not going off when I put it in the chair. Every time we put the EMF in the middle of the bed, it's going off. So we had one of our listeners said, maybe there's a dead body in the bed. I know. Great. (laughs) We've got to sleep there. So anyway, I put it in the chair. It's not going off. So there's nothing happening. I'm like, you know what? I bet the EMF was not being set off by something that was a spirit. So Kelly comes out and I'm like, Kelly, I've been testing this. I just, I really don't think that there was a spirit that was setting this off. Because look, and I set the EMF down in the chair and that damn thing (laughs) hit red. And then it went down and it popped back up again and it was just blinking with all the colors going. I mean, it was going more than it had gone at all ever before in that room. She just wanted me with her. 
<laughs> I know. I was like, you know what I think? She was hanging out in the bathroom with you and came out when you came out. Which is kind of disconcerting because I was using the restroom. <laughs> I'm like, oh, no, I'm not. I'm not OK with that. But I tell you, it lit up like Christmas and we both started laughing. And I said, I just said something like, oh, are you playing with me? Look at you. It was just, it was hilarious because, I mean, that thing was not even ticking at all. (laughs) And I kept asking, if you're in the room and you want to prove that you're here, if you could just light it up a little bit, even to the yellow. She was messing with you. Yeah, I think she was messing with me. And then after that, we got out the dousing rods and answers were coming left and right. And then we had to leave. I know, I was so bummed. But before that, I want to share some other haunting stories that we'd heard about this, because we're certainly not the only people to experience some strange activity in this hotel. And that's why we stayed here, because of its haunted reputation. And some of our listeners have stayed there as well. I think, didn't Christy Bacon stay there? She has. Kathy Thomas Thomas. has stayed there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. This hotel has been featured on countless lists and in countless programs. And those are not just, oh, wonderful historic hotels. It was the you know, top 10 haunted hotels, the most haunted hotel in Georgia, that kind of thing. Guests claim to hear children running in the hallways when there are no children in the hallways or even in the hotel. Faucets turn on and off by themselves, and many people claim to see full-bodied apparitions. A doctor was staying with his wife, and he was awakened in the middle of the night by a tickling sensation on his feet. He looked down at his feet and saw a little girl smiling at him while she tickled his feet. (laughs) She quickly vanished. I love that. (laughs) And I wonder if it was our little friend. Could be. (laughs) Thankfully, she didn't tickle our feet. A woman wrote on TripAdvisor of her experiences at the hotel in 2006. We were on the fourth floor. I never got much sleep while we were there. I always felt uneasy and utterly creeped out at night in my guts and could not rest. Did hear some strange noises in the hall late at night around 3 a.m. or so. What sounded like a hard rubber ball rolling along the hallway and bouncing. Also what sounded like a marble rolling. And also a very loud crash in the hall, 3 a.m.-ish, almost like a body falling and hitting the floor, and no one was out there. We also heard what sounded like walking around on the floor above us, but there's only the roof. Also very unnerving feeling of being touched while in bed at night, and I was completely awake. Touched on the inside of my lower leg, ankle, and buttocks area. This made me nearly jump out of bed more than once. Yeah, I don't want anybody touching me when I'm in bed like that, especially near my butt. <laughs> Your butt. On the last night we stayed there, we noticed a strange smell in the room and the bathroom that we could find no source for. It was almost like a sweet, burned flesh smell combined with a slight sewery odor. Yeah, isn't that a wonderful scent to have in the room? But you know what? I believe that they still have some gas lighting, don't they? Yeah. And I could have sworn I smelled that the evening when we walked in, mainly through the entryway area and then going up the stairs and I noticed it immediately I forgot to mention that to you (laughs) I didn't detect any weird smells now the fourth floor is supposed to be the most haunted and there is an area well natural gas lamps have a they do have a scent but it's mostly sulfur a sulfur but that's what it smelled like to me okay well I mean if that's what you're smelling it could have been a gas smell but you actually don't want to have that because it's like a rotten egg smell And they add that to natural gas so that you know if there's a leak. Right. But that's why I'm wondering if they said it was a sewery type smell, if it could have been some cast off from the gas lamps. Maybe. It just depend upon what rooms that was in. And of course, my other thought would have been, well, yeah, it's the bathroom, old building, maybe old sewage system. Sure. But this is the fourth floor. So it's not like they're down where you'd have a lot of the sewer system. But the, the thing is... People smelling this strange smell is a thing many people report. 
It started during renovations in 1998, and people who stay in rooms 214, 314, and 414, I don't know what room she was in, complain often of smelling a strange odor. Huh. Deodorizers have not been able to get rid of it, and neither of ozone machines, so they have tried to get rid of this smell. Interesting. We did find a story that prayer seemed to help with rooms 214 and 314, so they prayed the smell away, I guess. Okay. But a radio playing Christian programs placed in room 414 seemed to be the only thing that worked in there. So they would do the prayers up there, but nothing did it. So then they just started leaving a radio with this Christian programming 24-7, and that seemed to clear up some of the smell. Well, they did that back in 1998, so her story's more recent. So clearly they're still having an issue. Kristen wrote in 2014 on TripAdvisor, After a night out, my girlfriend and I retired to room 409. After eating a late-night snack and watching some television, I had to use the bathroom. Upon walking out of it, I noticed the fan was off, so I asked my girlfriend why she would shut the fan off on such a hot night. She replied, I didn't. I then noticed our channel was changed from watching CNN to ESPN. I asked her why she was watching the football game since I knew she had no interest. She again replied, I didn't. We searched for the remote, which at one point was right next to us. The remote had gone totally missing. We threw off the sheets of the bed and tore up the room only to be let down of finding the darn thing. At this point, my girlfriend was very bugged out, so I personally had asked whatever was playing tricks on us to please stop because I knew my girlfriend would have wanted to leave if she knew we were being taunted by some type of supernatural presence. As I laid my hand on her shoulder to reassure her everything was going to be okay, my black beaded bracelet was ripped off my wrist. That's right, ripped off my wrist, not by myself nor my girlfriend. My girlfriend just stared at me with tears in her eyes as I looked back with complete shock. Needless to say, we both started praying. We hopped into bed with every light on, and there, right before our eyes, was the remote, all snug in the same spot we had just been sitting in. I held my girlfriend through the night as I watched the fan now turn back on, rock back and forth, till the morning. I made the woman at the front desk aware of this encounter, and her reply was, Oh yeah, that's Casper, and he's sort of mischievous, so it makes sense he would turn the football game on and taunt you like that. She went on to add that the fourth floor is the most haunted of all the floors. Although I lost a bracelet and a night's sleep, this was one of the coolest experiences of my life. I've believed in paranormal activity before, but this solidified it for me. Oh, and the room was beautiful, too. Best wishes to all you who stay in room 409. So very interesting. The other stuff you could maybe say, oh, it's just by chance that the fan turned itself off. Maybe the channel, you you accidentally hit the remote. But yeah, that bracelet flying off really is the thing that sealed it for me. Definitely. The night manager's office is where the amputated limbs had been found. So when they pulled up the floor and found all that stuff, it was in that room. And this is said to be one of the most haunted areas of the hotel, other than, of course, the fourth floor. They hear disembodied footsteps and moaning. One manager claimed to see the spirit of a Union soldier who was missing an arm. We hit the Colonial Park Cemetery after we checked out and wandered around the Riverwalk for a bit, too. This is another great cemetery in the heart of Savannah that also happens to be haunted. We loved our visit to Savannah, and we really enjoyed the interactions with our little spirit friend. Is the Marshall House haunted? That That is for you you to to decide. decide. Kelly, what did you think of the Colonial Park Cemetery? We got to see it the night before on the ghost tour, and I was like, well, you got to go back during the day because I wanted you to be able to see those tombstones that are along the back wall. Right. That was, I mean, it's very heartbreaking that Mm -hmm. that's what occurred. I love that they preserved them as best they could and just put them basically in one whole section so you could walk along and and look at them. It was a beautiful cemetery. It was really unique. The really interesting thing that I'd never seen before were the vaults. 
Yes, I have never seen anything like these anywhere else. They basically look like mausoleums that are about halfway into the ground. So exactly. it's, it's like the roof is above the ground and the rest of it's underneath. And back in the day, they had stairs that led down into them. But unfortunately, obviously you have erosion and stuff. But during the Civil War, soldiers came in from the Union and they needed places to stay warm. And they're like, wow, these will be great little places to hide out in. So they broke open all these vaults, threw the bodies out and made fires inside of them, desecrated them. They went around and broke the tombstones, changed the times and dates and everything on them so that it looked like somebody was born uh, after they died or were hundreds of years old. And of course, they didn't know where to put these tombstones again after they'd been broken off and thrown all over the place. So that's why a bunch of them are along the back wall because they wanted to preserve them, but they didn't know where they went anymore. Right. But yeah, I've never seen anything like these vaults. They're very, very cool. I could see why the cemetery is haunted. Yeah. I mean, if you desecrate an area and people's tombstones have been moved and things like that. I know there's a video that probably many of the listeners have seen on YouTube of a child that looks like they're playing in a tree and kind of drops out of the tree and runs. And you can tell that it's not a physical child because they're not real clear. Right. Yeah. And you can see other people moving through Mm -hmm. the picture. And paying no attention to whatever this is. So that one is one of those videos that I'm like, I think that might be the real deal. Yeah, it, it looks pretty darn legit. And we've talked about the Colonial Park Cemetery as well as Bonaventure on one of our Haunted Cemetery episodes. And we also mentioned in that one that there is a playground that's right outside of it that also happens to be haunted because the borders of this cemetery is not just where it was. So obviously there are things that are on top of actually most Streets. of Savannah <laughs> has graves underneath it. So this is true. That's just part of the reason why that playground is haunted, said to be haunted, too. And we did a Facebook Live. We did. For so people in the Spectacular crew when we were there. People could see the, the tombstones on the wall and then the little playground there and such. We'd love to have you guys check out our website at historygoesbump.com. And if you want to send us some feedback, you can do that at historygoesbump at gmail.com. Ty had shared something in the crew that I wanted to share with everybody. Back in October, the Hillbilly Horror Stories podcast hosted a live show complete with a tour of Bobby Mackey's Music World in Wilder, Kentucky. And you might remember a couple of episodes ago, uh, I had shared a picture that Ty had taken at Bobby Mackey's on our Instagram. So now he's going to tell you about his experiences there. Very cool. This was socially distanced also, so it was as safe as possible. I'm going to tell my experiences I had while there. I think I experienced a little more than average from the conversations I had with some people there, including the tour guides from Gatekeeper Paranormal. During the live show, we were seated toward the middle of the seating area. Well, middle right, but still middle. There was nobody within physical touching distance of me aside from my family. I was sitting with my left ankle across my right knee. I felt my pant leg get tugged toward my ankle. When I looked down, I saw it get pulled a second time. After the show was over, we were all split into two groups. The first group would go into the area that used to be the Latin corner while my group went to the basement. As we were standing in the main room of the basement, I was standing a few feet in front of one of the main supports for the main floor. The well would have at this point been about 30 feet in front of me and slightly to my left in another room. Anyway, as our guide was talking, I saw a shadow arm move around on one of the base supports to a workbench that was in front of me. My first thought was, that's about the size of my son Zach's arm. It wasn't his because he was about four feet to my right beside my wife. My second thought was, it had to be someone standing between my back and the naked light bulb. There were a couple people standing directly below the bulb, but their arms were too big to cast the shadow I saw. Also, they would have had to have been about four feet tall and much, much thinner. We then went down the short hallway to my left, ending in the room of faces, which is coming later. But we proceeded into the well room. As I entered the well room, my wife gave me the strangest look. 
I found out later that it was because I had a strange look on my face at the time. Meanwhile, I smelled a combination of something rotten with sulfur, which is interesting. We were talking about a smell earlier. From the expression on her face, I assumed she smelled it too, and she was less than a foot from me. When we spoke later, she did not smell anything, but I had a strange look on my face, which is why she looked at me weird. In the well room, there's a boarded up staircase in front of me in the old cell to the left from when the mafia still owned the property. The guide stated that most men will get the willies and freak out in the cell. I went in there because I wanted to experience as much as I could. That's what I would have done, too. Absolutely. While I was in the cell, I felt calm and very much at peace. The latter is very rare for me overall. As I was getting ready to come out, there was a young lady who wanted to come in, but was afraid to do so on her own. I told her that I wouldn't bite and would stay with her. She started feeling very uneasy in there. Before leaving the cell, I asked her to take a picture of a certain area where I pointed. When she looked at the picture, there was a face. I should have asked her to send it to me, but my mind wasn't on that. Next, we went to the room of faces. I was standing about eight to 10 inches from the basement wall, facing toward the center of the room. So nobody was behind me. My son was very uneasy in this room, the only room that bugged him. The back of my shirt was tugged here as if from a child. Now back to the rear part of the main room of the basement where the old dressing rooms are. If you've ever seen Urban Cowboy with John Travolta, then you might recognize the mechanical bowl in the basement. It's the exact same bowl he wrote in the movie. Anyway, my wife wanted a picture of the bowl, but for some reason, all of the pictures she was taking were whiting out. She asked for my phone and the picture came out fine. Back upstairs, we are now in the Latin Quarter area. The lights are out. From where I'm sitting, the mechanical bowl is in front of me with an exit sign with green lights to my left. The exit with double doors and red lights was to my right. We were having a spirit box session using an internet app on a laptop. I watched a shadow move from the green exit lights all around the back of the room, and when it got to the red exit lights on the other side of the room, it disappeared. So it almost sounds like it came in and walked out. Maybe something residual? Sounds that way. I would love to find that spirit box app, especially for my phone, because it scans internet radio stations, and you don't hear that annoying feedback. I thought maybe it was something similar to what Joy had, but Myra felt that it wasn't. She said that she was with another group that had this same spirit box app, she thought, and she couldn't think of the name either. Oh, dang. So if any of you listeners have ever used any spirit box apps on your phone that you feel are pretty legit or on your computers, please let us know what those are. I know the Ghost Brothers on their show tend to use some kind of a spirit box app on their laptop. Right. Yeah. I just don't know the name of it. Yeah. He said, this concludes my experiences that I had. My son and I went up to look around Carl's apartment, but I felt nothing. During this time, my wife had stayed downstairs because she's got sciatica. That's when she caught that picture of the person at the end of the bar near the restrooms that Ah. we shared on Instagram. So very cool. Thank you for sharing that experience, or I guess those experiences with us, Ty. Right. Sounds like a very active place. One of those places we'll eventually get to when we have some time to hang out in Kentucky. We'll go hang out with Jerry and Tracy and say, let's go to Bobby Mackey's. Most definitely. See what's happening. want to thank you guys for tuning in to this episode. I've been your host, Diane. And this has been Kelly. You take care now. Bye-bye. This episode has been brought to you by our executive producers. Join me in the cemetery by becoming an executive producer. You can join on Patreon or PayPal. Check out the Support the Show tab on the website for more information.
All right, Kelly, I, I had to look up the pronunciation before I get going on this this month in history because it's L-E-I-C-E-S-T-E-R. <laughs> I would have said Leicester. What would have you said? No, that's what I said I would have said. You said something else. Leicester. I, even... I would yeah, have said Leicester. <laughs> you would have said Leicester. Yeah, or Leicester. So I, of course, Googled it, and it's not even close to either one of those. It's <laughs> no, it's not. Lester. Lester the molester. A couple years earlier, a copy of the legendary Gutenberg Bible had gone for only half as much. So look at how that rated. The I Bible agree. versus Leonardo yeah. The work is officially known as the Lester Codex. Codex? Codex? What the hell no, is that? Codex. I know. What am I doing? <laughs> I know. <laughs> it also served as a hospital. <clears throat> the hotel is four stories with winding hallways leading to rooms and a large lar- 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 lar. A large library. <laughs> Mouthful of marbles. We should mention that during these model, 